Is uh is anybody else coming to the thing? Uh I thought I thought uh Scribe was I thought my MC was gonna come as well. Yeah. Uh let me bring in uh Camilo. Okay. Uh, Bro, what up? Hey, what up? How you doing? Thanks for thanks for joining us. You're welcome, brother. I'm trying to Light get up. I'm trying to use my my uh, my computer instead of my cell phone. Okay, plant business you got there. You got that? You got that hanging from the from the wall from the ceiling? Trying to do oh, that's like that. uh, <laughs> that's from the ceiling. That's from the pole of the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, man. Get those green vibes in the house. Yeah, gotta have them. I do it like this because this is right. This is right. We we where, we do it this way. Where are you joining us from? Um, uh, I'm, I'm in Syracuse, New York. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's man. Upstate. That counts as upstate, right? Yeah, it's upstate. That's that's uh that's four hours north of the city. So yeah, it's yeah. considered it's central New York. You know, we're right in the center. Of the state, um, so we're we're Central New York. Sure. Okay. I'm from New Jersey, so we got okay. we got a Central Central Jersey too. I don't go there much. Yeah. yeah, man. Hey, Camilo. Uh, let me ask you something. Uh, uh, do you uh do you wash your ass <laughs> <laughs> on occasion? On occasion, when, when, I, I mean, when I have an important meeting. Like you, when you really get you go in the cheeks and everything. I mean, it's not nothing to talk about publicly, but I mean, I but, I got a child, so those are conversations I've had. Yeah, those are conversations. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying because you know, just like is that's uh, that's starting to become a thing on TikTok, like uh, like people uh, really you know, turns out there are a lot of people out there that don't wash their ass, so. Oh no! You I feel like wash the bigger thing. I feel like the bigger thing is washing your feet. Washing well, I mean, your feet people do don't do that. But, but yeah, there's also uh, been talk of um, uh, there's like basically there's like no ass wash Twitter. No, no, no <laughs> ass wash TikTok. Just no, people. that's a bunch of funky motherfuckers around there. Yeah, just people just like because they'll be like there's girls going on TikToks. Uh, calling out their uh, their men because they ask them, "Hey, hey, honey, do you uh you wash your ass?" And they'll usually go, you know, the water go down there <laughs> at, at some point, and just like real yeah, question is, so. do you use the same use the same hand cloth that you use to wipe your ass to wash the rest of your body? I feel like that's the that's a deeper question. Just gotta do face first, dog. <laughs> face first, and everything else. Yeah, yeah you gotta. I mean, do you wash your ass there? Oh yes, sir. I'm a I'm an avid uh ass washer. Yeah, uh, I believe in uh I believe in washing washing your ass. You know, you never know when you might end up in a hospital or when you might end up in uh someone's bedroom. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta wash your ass. Yeah, it's been it's got weird because just like now, of course, we're in this age of you know. Eating the booty like groceries and shit, and just yeah, yeah, and just like how would you like 
the guys out there who are into that shit and just like, well, how would you want to do if you ain't if they if you ain't gonna wash your ass? Like, <laughs> don't use what have heaven forbid you use dental dams, which nobody talks about it uh, for some like this little thing you can use if you you know if you if you partake in that, but but nobody seems to use it now. Everybody's got hepatitis and shit. Yeah. <laughs> And I just say you're the yeah. kind of guest that Craig is prayed for, I think. These are the kind of <laughs> conversations he likes to have. Yeah, because every bit I talk to you about it. Because <laughs> you don't want to get in any of that. So nah man, this is fun. This is fun already. It's gonna be a fun one. Well, um this is the uh, continuing adventures of Crizzle and Camilo, aka Whip Wop Galore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I am Craig uh, Lindsay, and the other guy is uh, Camilo Smith, and we do this every week. Try to have a a podcast uh, where we talk to people, and um, oh yeah, like, comment, and subscribe. I should say that shit out of, out of the ballot. Let, tell people or let people know that this is out here. Uh, yeah, doing that. And uh, you know what? This is a special episode because this is an episode uh, Camila wanted to do. And so um, I'll just let uh, Camila uh, int- introduce the uh, person we have so far. There may be another person jumping in, but let's let's see who you know who we got here first. I'll be honest. I don't. Let me see. I don't know who we have. Oh, we have Emmons. Emmons. Am I saying that right? <laughs> Eman. E-man. E-man. Yeah. I don't E-man. know how I don't my know bad. how I put it on there. It might not be it might not be right on there, but it's supposed to be E-Man. But yeah, my name is Emanuel so, Washington. Um I am I'm a musician from Syracuse, New York. Uh I play in uh I'm the founder and musical director um of uh the notorious of a notorious B.I.G. tribute band called the Frank White Experience. And uh we travel um nationwide anywhere from uh, Wisconsin to uh, New Jersey uh, to, uh, to 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 play the notorious B.I.G. music. Um, yeah, yeah. So the story how how you got here um, is I was talking to Crizzle and I was like, man, we need to do a a, a bigger special because today being March ninth, the day that we lost him, I wanted to do something. Um, and I was like trying to find some kind of angle, like maybe there's like a a Biggie impersonator or something. So mm-hmm. I started looking around for Biggie impersonators. And then uh, I think I was looking up Biggie cover bands. And then your thing popped up. I was like, wow, Frank White experience. I started listening to it. And I was like, man, this this is what's up. And yeah. um, and I'm, I was so grateful that you guys got back. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll jump on your podcast because I really want to know what it's, what it's like to be a, a notorious B.I.G. cover band and, and really take it to a different level with, with the way you guys are mixing funk and hip hop and doing live music. I just think it's incredible. So we just really want to get your story where you're from, how you guys got together. Um, and it's also it's also a mixed race band too, which I, I you know, I like seeing stuff like that. Yeah. Collaborating. Talk about that. How, how'd you come to the, so, to the realization that you need to do right. this? The start of uh, the Frank White experience, it started like six years ago. And um, the core, the core rhythm section is from a band that I started um, like, like eight, eight, nine years ago called Skunk City. And um, in Syracuse, we would do um, these tributes. We did a tribute to James Brown. We did a tribute to Bob Marley. We did a tribute to the Beastie Boys. 
um, Michael Jackson. Um, and uh, so doing that, the tributes, I was like, man, I really want to take this um, tribute kind of vibe on the road. Um, Cause I know like as a musician um, and as a, as a person who has a, original music, uh, people love to hear stuff that they're familiar with, they know and love. Um, and so when you put, can present it in a way where they can gravitate to it, like you, that people would definitely love it. So I was just trying to figure out how to take this, um, this tribute um, project on the road. And um, I was thinking like, um, you know, I, you know, for me, I grew up in the hip hop era. I'm a hip hop kid to the core, you know, 70s music and 60s music and even 80s music is like, that's my dad's music. You know what I mean? Like, so you know, for me, I'm like trying to figure out who I, who can who can I pay tribute to, um, you know, that's in my lane. And I was like, you know, Snoop. I was like, I love Snoop. Snoop's still alive, you know. And then you know, I was thinking about some other people. But I was like, yo, Biggie. I was like, damn, Biggie's a a good one because, you know, he kind of passed away before, um, he before the hip hop took a, a a turn where every rapper has to have a live band. You know what I'm saying? So Biggie kind of like he he he. You know, he 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 passed away. He missed that wave. Like Jay Z was one of um, Unplug is one of my favorite with the Roots. Like it's one of my favorite videos, favorite CDs of all time. You know, so you know if Biggie was still here, I feel like that would be what Biggie was doing right now. Biggie would be having a live band. If the production would be huge, you know what I mean. And so, you know that knowing that and thinking about that, I was like, man, I I think Biggie would be a good a good fit for at, at least the East Coast, especially where we're from. Um, and so uh, I went to Rochester, New York, man, and I, I, I was uh, I was doing a show out there and uh, one of my good friends was opening up for me. And he was, you know, this dude was doing he was doing um, Nas. He was doing Wu-Tang. He was doing like o o ODB. He was doing like all these hip hop classes bar from bar. Like he was just killing it. And I was like, yo, bro, like we got to do this biggie band bro like let's let's do it and so me and uh scribe the god uh who's my my front man um he uh we started a band and i took the skunk city boys and and me and scribe and we just paired it together and we called it the frank white experience man and it's just been uh it's been an amazing amazing journey so far man and uh we've gotten to um got to meet Lil C's and got to meet um Lil Cam we got to meet the whole the whole um, um, Biggie family, the state. Uh, we did a show in Brooklyn Bowl, and just off the whim of of production uh, promotion and putting a word out there, um, Wayne Burrows, the executive uh, director for Biggie's estate, pulled up to our show along with Lil C's, and from that day on, we just kind of been in touch with them and just been they had been it gave us a good graces, and it's been a it's been a fun ride, man. Um, the band actually backed. Um, little Kim last like last summer, uh, we were the backing band for her at the Pride Festival on Governor's Island, and uh, we played Biggie's uh, his 50th birthday party. Um, Fat Joe was there, Sway from the morning, um, Havoc from Mob Deep was there, Little Kim, CJ, his son, his daughter, everybody. So we've been we've been uh, truly blessed, man, to uh, be in this lane um, to be able to like do to take this legacy and keep pushing it, you know what I mean? So it's been a, it's been a fun journey. It's still fun. You got, you got any questions, Craig? I'm gonna keep rolling. Well, um, I was watching uh, one performance you did 
um, uh, that you dropped online where uh, you uh, combined uh, Sky's the Limit with uh, the original sample, which is uh, which was, uh, uh, you know, I think uh, Bobby Caldwell's My Flame. That's why I mm -hmm. just, like, uh, just love the way you weave that in. Oh, shit, the other dude's here. Oh, and, Scott the God. Yeah, coming right in the uh, nick of time here. And um, <laughs> let's see if we can uh, get him in here. Uh, yes, uh, you're, you're, you're here? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. All right. Well, uh, we've uh, we got in the we in the middle of this. We got a e man here. Um, Want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Let me just. Oh, yeah. hold up. Peace, peace. My name is Scribe to God. Um, Frontman Frank White Experience. Uh, I'm also an educator, father, um, cannabis entrepreneur, uh, social justice advocate, and. Um, all around, you know, creative. Yeah. Oh. Well, well, I was just uh, just uh, talking to E Man uh, about um, you know the way you, you put together uh, performances because I saw you, you you had you did a performance where you did "Sky's the Limit" along with the Barbie Caldwell sample. It was uh, you know that, that they obviously used it, and I mean is that thing you guys do often. Uh, that was like, that was something to get the content out. And we, I love, you know, we love, uh, old school music and we love, you know, obviously, um, um, Biggie. So we were just like, yo, how, you know, we heard the sample, we know the sample, obviously, like, how can we put it together in a way that's, that's really fresh and fly and give the listeners and, uh, people something to enjoy. So yeah, we do it. All we right, do that. Um, um, we do, um, Big Papa and, uh, we mix, uh, Big Papa and in, in between the sheets, mm -hmm. um, and so, cause that's the sample they got that from, and uh, and juicy and umte uh, I can't say the name, but <laughs> juicy and the sample they did get that that from. Uh, we do like yeah, juicy. yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's something that we kind of we we hone in on, and we we you know we appreciate the culture for 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 doing that and collab uh, combining those amazing amazing seventy songs with with uh, the hip hop songs that we know today. Yeah, you you do um. Either way, uh, with uh, with everyday struggle, because yeah, I no, 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 that's something we got. We're gonna we're gonna dig in on. Yeah, because that that was like uh, like Dave Grusin did that on his album, the Mount Dance, but Harvey Mason did a vocal version. Oh, okay, of, of that song on a funk in a mason jar. So yeah, so if you like. I don't know add if you want to take that sample and and add vocals to it. That's that's the album. That is once we uh once we do it, we give you uh production credit on that one for our live show. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you know, just a shout out, just be, be nice and everything. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, since both of you were here, uh, just like let's just talk about the how you two got together. Well, um, so basically, we're both uh long-time members of the Central and Western New York uh, live music scene. Um, I started playing in New York. Uh, I'm from Rochester. He's from Syracuse, 60, 70 miles away. Mm -hmm. um, 
So you know, I used to uh, run around the country, going to a lot of live music shows, festivals, a uh, bunch of hippie stuff, but just every genre, really. I've been going to concerts since I was like five. My first concert was Jackson 5 Victory Tour with Michael Jackson Thriller. Um, I've seen so many concerts. My mother used to take me. I've seen all of the stuff when it first came around, like Run DMC, Raising Hell. I've seen LL Cool J when he just had Rock the Bells and, and like radio, Houdini, Fat Boys, like Dana Dane, all the way up through the hip hop, um, all the way to the 90s. Like so I've seen Redman and the Hit Squad, like Dots Effects, all these shows when these people were having like before they drop albums or their debut albums. So then um, after uh, kind of uh, getting jammed up a little bit, I had to go and, and spend a little vacation time and just start writing. And I came home from that. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm a rapper now. I could all I can't remember a time when I couldn't rap. Um, always could rap. Ever since I tried to write a rap, I could write them. And then um did talent shows as a kid. But long story medium, um, I started playing with this band called Giant Panda Gorilla Dub Squad. Shouts out to the squad. And um also doing like solo stuff. Um and a couple years after Panda launched, um, they kind of befriended E-Man's crew from Syracuse. And uh, their crew kind of like not they kind of like took the same algorithm that we were running as Giant Panda and got in touch with a lot of the same venues and booking agents and had the same kind of like rise to success uh, using the old analog formula of just like getting out and beating the street, playing shows and 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 uh, widening your market. So then you know fast forward you know ten ten plus years after that. Um, E-Man's band was in town in Rochester. He had, he shouts out the Skunk City, first and foremost. His uh, project that was doing a lot of these tribute shows on their own. E-Man is a is a like juggernaut of a of a stage performer and like just multitask talented and faceted. So this man um, in Skunk City is a front man. You know what I'm saying? He's out there doing Bob Marley tributes, Prince tributes. You know what I'm saying? Like. Michael, like, it's tough stuff, you know, to get out there and carry it. Um, so uh, my band, Level 7, shouts out DJ Two-Way. Him and I had a group, have a group called Level 7. And uh, I'm a solo artist as well. Um, a lot of my music is uh, very lyrical, dense. I'm a child of Wu-Tang, like Shaolin and whatnot. So I would put cover songs in my original music. And uh, one night, E-Man saw me do, like, all die versus the Wu-Tang triumph. And a Biggie tune, like, and a Nas tune. And he just approached me, like, right between our two sets. He's like, yo, we got to do a Biggie tribute, son. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's up. We got to do it. I was like, yo, say less. So then, like, we just, like, it came from like that right there. And then I just showed up in the queues. He had the Skunk City boys there. They had some tunes down. I came in, and I just started murdering the Biggie rhymes because I know that stuff, like, sense memory, you know? Um and it's been up since then. And then it's just like, we were just like, well, I guess this is what's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> we did a New Year's Eve show in uh, in Syracuse that first time. And it was a movie. So we was like, well, I guess, you know, we've been around long enough to know what's something special. You know what I'm saying? So since then, we just locked in and just mashed the gas on it. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Yeah. Just took it, took it to, took it to another level, you know, um, to piggyback off what Scribe was saying, like, I'm a, you know, I, I played in an original band in Syracuse and just been hitting the, hitting the road um, for the last 10, 15 years. 
And so I had a lot of connections on the East Coast as well as Scribe. And we knew a lot of a lot of places. Uh, but the place that we kind of like put, um, you know, a lot of emphasis on was Brooklyn Bowl. Shout out to the Brooklyn Bowl family. Um, uh, because that's kind of like where it kind of like boosted us to like take it further, you know, like, you know, so Brooklyn Bowl like gave us a look and, you know, we, we killed Brooklyn Bowl and Lil C's came out and Wayne, um, um, Burrow from the state came out and, uh, they just kind of put the battery in our back to just like go for it, you know? And so, you know, just scribing, I just like look at each other like, yo, like it's up. <laughs> And, no, and yo, we got it. We got to tell that we got to tell that story with a little bit of transparency. Like uh, Wayne didn't come on purpose. Wayne Barrow, who produced a notorious movie, managed big in life and death, and his manages the Christopher Wallace estate for uh, Mama Mama Wallace. He was there for a birthday party. Akil Davidson of Rex and Effects, a longtime friend of his, was having a birthday party in Brooklyn Bowl, completely unrelated, right? And then C's pulled up on some like. What is this biggie stuff in our borough? Mm. Like, what's good? Like, so they pulled up on some like old school Brooklyn, like pull up. Wayne just happened to be in the building. We ended up uh, talking with Caesar's Peoples, worked it out, got him up on stage for a couple songs. And like Wayne was completely blindsided. He had no idea what was going on. So just like those two pieces of like, you know, coalesced into like a perfect little moment for us. And, uh, yeah, uh, we, I was approached by Wayne between songs. Like, I came off the stage for a couple songs because E-Man does, like, a West Coast suite. He bum-rushed me on the side of the stage. He's like, yo, I've managed big in life and death. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen in 25 years. I was like, who are you? What's going on? I was like, I got to go back on stage. I didn't even know, you know what I'm saying? I had to, like, go back and meet him again and realize who was really talking to me. And so then we just linked up, and uh, we connected, like, on just on some fatherly vibes. He said, I'm going to do everything I can. Um, as time goes by to 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 see y'all win, man, because y'all doing um something that you know is uniquely yours to do, which is carry on big legacy and keep his music alive. You know, the estate deals with a lot of things that have to do with what Biggie already created this content or making new content based off whether it's stock footage, um, old recording, stuff like that. Whereas we are in the streets in the world right now, live, like pushing a new lane. Um that enhances what they're doing with the um with the legacy piece as well. So yeah, it's just like a perfect storm right now. And then also getting at the ahead of this whole uh move as hip hop turns 50 and our genre has like two, three generations worth of listeners in it. You know, now we're in that space that rock and roll and uh other older genres are in where people want to see the things that aren't around anymore for them to see. So uh we've been taking advantage of the fact that uh there is a a vacuum, especially when it comes to our our deceased artists like Pac and Big, um, where a lot of people love the music and never got to experience them live, you know. So um, yeah, we just tapped into that energy and frequency and uh, realized that that's our wave. And now we surfing. I gotta know. Um, you know, you say you you were the avid uh, uh, you know, concert goer. Uh, and then, E-Man, you can answer this as well. Uh, best and worst concerts. Let's go. Best and worst? Yeah. Damn. I've seen a lot of concerts. I mean, I, uh, shoot. Damn. That's tough. I'm going to think on it. Go ahead, Sky. I know you got some. Go ahead, Sky. 
So did you answer that? Yeah, I had someone come in the no, office real quick. I, uh, I, I, I got to think about it. I got to think about it. Okay, so best concert I ever seen, and I've seen – I've seen probably a thousand concerts, man. Um, I like I said, I, I was on fish tour for like years. I've seen like 250 fish shows, 100 plus Griffith Dead shows, lots of music festivals. Um, so the best show I ever seen live, believe it or not, was uh, first of all, rest in peace to Plug Two, True Goy, The Dove, Dave. I saw a De La Soul concert at the Bonnaroo Festival. I think it might have been like the fifth or sixth year Bonnaroo was around. So it was still like, still for the people. It wasn't super corporate. And I think we had left, might've been like a fish show we had left and it was the late night. So everybody was tuned up. Like it was, the whole place was electric, right? So we were walking and Daylight was playing on like this large side stage, um, just wasn't in the main concert field. And we got there and it was like a sea of people just like teeming with energy. Everyone was in a, like I said, in a tuned up psychedelic space and Daylight Soul came out. And they put on the best show I've ever seen. They had like 25,000 people literally wrapped around their finger like puppets, like everything that they said do, the sea of people was doing. And even they stopped the music. It was like talking to each other on stage like, yo, plug, you see this? Are you feeling this energy? And they even had like a moment of like being there in that moment. And then they just kept on dropping beats and the crowd was just going so crazy. I had never seen that kind of, I had seen that kind of like musical awe come off the stage and people just being like blown away. And then I'd seen that kind of call and response um, synchronicity happening between an audience and a, um, a stage performer. But I'd never seen both of those things happen at the same time when the music was just like busting through the ozone layer as well as the crowd being in this call and response engaged relationship, not just spectators um in in the experience so that's the greatest concert i've ever seen i've seen way too many bad performances to to single one out because um, i'd never stay long enough i just i just i'm like yo let's beat it like I'm, I'm out of here this is garbage you know so i can't say this was the worst concert i've ever been to um but i could probably narrow it down to saying it might have been it, it must have been like some kind of horrible grateful dead member rendition where it's just like people are just up there and it looks like just mummies and the sounds just like, like horrible. You know, you just like, you love the music so much and they're butchering it to such a level. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so that, that's kind of, that, that's what I got for that. Yo. So for me, um, the best concert I think I've seen and been to is like, I was uh, 2002 when they did like the rock the mic tour. Um, it was like, uh, like 50 Cent, I don't know who else it was, like State Property, whatever. But Buster Rhymes is on the, on the bill, and everyone knows when Buster's on the, on the, on the bill, the shit gets shut down. And just like Scry was saying about having control over the crowd, I've never seen a, a man single-handedly just, like, manhandle, like, 20,000, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yo, put your hands up, like, yeah. <laughs> like and people are just like, ah, <laughs> no, yeah. keep them up, you know, what keep them up, like, put them where my eyes can see. Yeah. <laughs> so when we, we, I've been around, I've been around so much music, you know. There's, there's, like I said, the worst concert is somewhere in the back of my brain, like, like it's got to be some festy. Yeah, like, you just, you just walk away shaking your head, like <laughs> plugging your ears, like, no, let's get away from here, yeah. you know. I know, but you bring up bus, and I I must say that one of the best concerts I ever seen 
I seen Jay-Z in the In My Lifetime um, era open for Bus because Bus was platinum at that time with Hands Where Eyes Could See. I saw that show at the University of Albany, man. And I didn't really, I wasn't really up on Hove like that then because I was still like living in the, you know, still, he was still up and coming. And it was just, it was still Wu-Tang, like Brooklyn, like this was still like, you know, Smith and Wesson were popping. Like, so this was, had to be like, I don't know, 96 or whatever. And uh, Jay came out and the only thing I remember, he's had these two moon size earrings and, and he was so nice. Like I didn't have to know none of his music. Like he was nice. Yeah. Right. And I was like, whoa, that's impressive. And then Busta Rhymes came out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Bust is such a monster, especially on the stage. And his his routine with Spliff Star, I've seen Bust a couple of times. And like it's just it's it's top notch when it comes to what him and Spliff do, yeah. like on the stage, you know. And um, so yeah, that was another one of those like top breaking concert experiences for sure. So I, I second E Man's Busta Rhyme pick too. It, it's crazy to say, but it's, it's I don't know what it is about me. I always tend, I you know, I'm I'm one of these people that remember the bad more than the good, and like I have to constantly remind myself that I was at somewhere that was kind of monumental in a way. Because literally, I think the first concert I ever been to was uh a, the Smoking Grooves concert in '96. Okay. And the okay. lineup was uh was was Tribe, it was uh Busta, it was Fuji's, yeah, yeah. it was Nas, and yeah. the opener, <laughs> and then the headline really at, was was Cypress Hill. So I wanted to see all those people in one in one night, day, whatever you want to call it, and I'm just like, and I'm still and and it's just like it happened so long ago that it's just like sometimes like I have to remind myself, oh yeah, I was there for that. Like, yeah, a lot of people would just be like, dude, I saw a great like when I was young, I saw a great thing. Like, oh yeah, I was there too. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weird thing with me, but it's just like Cypress Hill puts on a show too. I seen them in '95 at a Lollapalooza, um, up in Canada, and it was like straight rock and roll like you know there was a lot of uh alternative bands there and ska bands and the mosh pit for cypress hill was like equally as buck as it was for like Soundgarden, you know oh yeah and then i also seen wu-tang um in the 90s at a Lollapalooza in syracuse and that was wild too method man was there i remember he threw like a quarter like like th three ounces of weed into the crowd and it was like it was it, it felt like five five to six inches from my hands and I just saw another head came in and just snatched it away. I was like, oh my God. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, all those, those are the, the energy in those shows, like when, when hip hop comes off like rock in a in like a rock and roll setting is when the energy gets wild. You know what I'm saying? Like you got kids that are there just ready to party, like mosh, get dirty. And then those big hip hop hits come out you know, stuff that's like gritty and raw, big bass heavy, and then those kids go crazy like they do for for the grunge music. You're just like, what is happening in this joint? Like, what's going on? Well, you it's know? interesting to say about Cypress Hill attracting like a mosh crowd now, because I distinctly, like, especially when Black Sunday came out, that mm -hmm. album, like, I, I sense that like they, their audience was more of that crowd, that whole. 
you know, more like into rock, especially at that time with grunge and everything. It's just like, yeah, they're they both were more, they, they're more of that crap. Because I, you know, it was, you know, growing up in in, in Houston and in that, you know, this like there's like the it's more like the the the, the southern rap and and uh, especially around here with anything, you know, sounding like Houston, especially chop screwing and all that stuff. But with Cypress Hill, I could see them playing Lollapalooza and the people getting that getting the going to that show and getting amped to see them perform. So right. And if you think yeah, about those grunge kind of run hand in hand because yeah. of because of their they're both subcultures, you know what I'm saying? Right. And and both kind of like rebels, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I feel like the the rock kids and the grunge kids really, really gravitate to the hit gravitated and gravitated to the hip hop culture just because it's like this like you know fuck them kind of kind of attitude you know what I'm saying yeah and and you also like I teach a hip hop class and I got a book about hip hop education we'll get to that a little bit but um like with people who don't really study the culture don't realize that like punk was happening downtown hip hop was happening up uptown mm -hmm. at the same time and what made hip hop pop was people like Fat Five Freddy and Africa Bambada and those early cats bringing the sound downtown into the punk venues. And the punk venues were the only people that would welcome um, that hip-hop aesthetic outside of the Bronx. And um, so there was always a symbiotic relationship between like alternative rock, which punk was the first version of, and like hip-hop in its, in its early years. And then that happened again when grunge happened. Like, you know, I remember just being someone who loves music. I had I bought I went to the mall and I bought Nirvana Nevermind and Tupacalypse Now on the same trip to the mall. You know what I'm saying? I just like had that much of a sensibility, like, okay, this is was that Sam Goody? Tupac was a thing. Like, you know, this is when like I just saw the trap video on MTV. I was like, Oh wow, this is this guy's, you know, this is dope. You know what I'm saying? The message, like what he's saying, all that. And then Smells Like Teen Spirit was on the MTV at the same time. You know, I yeah. bought those two albums based on those singles and I came home and I'm in like eighth grade and I'm like with my Sony Walkman and completely immersed in, in this music and they had the same kind of energy just coming from different sides of the the socioeconomic and political like reality, but they were meeting in a, in a place which was, you know, like to quote uh, the Nirvana's famous song, it smelled like Teen Spirit. You know, it had that that vibe all over it and um it still kind of keeps on going like that if you look at a lot of these young kids i'm teaching my hip-hop class today and i just finished showing them the get down and then i went to this thing called the american rap star it's a special on hulu mm -hmm. and the american rap star kind of like highlights this whole like southern florida movement that a lot of these soundcloud um rappers that started there like you know the little pumps smoke perps like all these young kids how they kind of like these guys like they are rock and roll like they are the current like grunge raw rock and roll aesthetic but they're making hip-hop music and when you go to their shows it's like a travis scott show like it's a sea full of like middle-class white kids like boshing and going crazy but you know these kids are literally punk rock you know and they don't have anyone to answer to so it's scary <laughs> you know and that's why you get a lot of tragic situations like you know triple x or um like a little peep and like these kids like 
they're just no, they don't have anyone to kind of like mentor them through the culture and, and the business. And they don't have to because they're, they're not dealing with the gatekeepers in the older generation. So um, it's an interesting space that we're in now when it comes to the culture at large as it turns 50. Um, there's so much there. And, and that's another thing that um, it's important that we're, we're doing with the Frank White experience to kind of like present Biggie's music the way it would present it be presented by a, a adult, you know, not big was taken at 24. So we know that a lot of the things um, that might've been missed in his messaging that he wasn't here to, to steer the narrative as he grew um, are kind of on us to, to like highlight uh, when we're performing things like, you know, how me and my bitch is a love song and not like, you know, a misogynistic tale of, of, you know, of, you know, male chauvinism and and machine gun funk is about, you know, using hip hop as an alternative to, you know, actually gun violence. So uh, we make a very, very concerted effort to, you know, structure these things as period pieces. We're like, if everyone else can have a period piece when it comes to like history and, and other presentations, then hip hop should be afforded the same liberty. And um, so like, it's a big piece to to bring that to the cancel culture of the now as well as um letting folks know who are, are a generation or two younger than what we lived through as 90s hip-hop listeners that um you know it wasn't all just frivolous reckless consumerism and and like you know unaccountability like even if you go back you know jay-z used to be um, criticized for being like you know so drug oriented in his raps but if you br- break down the bars it's it's the the famous quote like I like I told you sell drugs. No, Hove did that, so hopefully you don't have to go through that, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you comb through, there's just as much of that in there as there is like, you know, um glorification of of the fast money and the life, you know. So Camilo wants to know, was did you uh buy those albums at Sam Goody? <laughs> no, actually there was not a Sam Goody. Um Rochester is an interesting town. Um, we used to have, we had like independent, we had this independent record store called Record Town. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a big one in the Midtown Plaza and a couple of other malls. So we would go to Record Town or Record Theater, which were not um, big chains. Um, we didn't have a Sam Goody here. I think the first like big chain record store we had was this place like FYI or whatever when it turned from something else. But there was never a Virgin store. And I don't think there was a Sam Goody up here. This market... This is like Sam Goody was prevalent back when markets like Rochester weren't as attractive to to larger corporations like that. You know, we just didn't have the population for a lot of those chains to be here. So we had like local establishments that were like large, large places um, full of full of music. But no, not a Sam Goody, not a virgin. (laughs) It's amazing how you say that. um, Because this is something I have been thinking about how a lot of rap music that's out today, it does seem to uh have this uh this 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 vibe this this punk vibe to it. Like yeah. especially guys like say like X Triple X Tanachion and uh like Juice World who both those guys passed away just and it is more, and especially here in Houston, because it's home and home to home to Travis Scott and mm-hmm. you know just and you know 
just like just be just I was I was at um the Astro World Festival a couple of times. I was not there uh, the last time when they had the um unfortunate thing that happened. But it is just a sea of uh pred- a predominantly white faces. Uh just and but they're also like people of color and everything like that. And it, you do get the sense that these are their rock stars. These are yeah. The, the 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 rock crowd that you know from previous decades like rap is now basically rock yeah and these artists are you know giving off that rock star vibe and it's kind of weird just just watching us growing up in hip hop be you know just seeing hip hop evolve throughout the years and it's still always been mostly a black thing and now the the like the new generation of artists have just kind of merge this whole sensibility where it is still rap but it has such a uh just a rock energy to it well well i think that a big part of that and even i'll make this brief because i want you to tap in i think a big part of that was like um we weren't allowed as black men to really talk about our feelings Mm -hmm. um and like at the at the very best we could do is like what nwa had coined as reality rap but was changed into gangster rap when they're just reporting on the the they're actually like reporters or journalists reporting on what what was the norms in their communities and then i'd say kanye west was the one that actually broke the mold i said this back when he was first coming out that like you know there he created a new lane before kanye you were either raucous backpack most definitely common or you were jay-z jadakiss street like that was it there was no place in the middle where you could just express yourself and kanye came out and he started rapping about, you know, how he was navigating those that world of consumerism and wanting all those things he had seen all of his idols have. And then also being educated and being contrived with coming from a good space, you know, mother being a, a professor and the feelings that went along with struggling with those two things. Right. And then he made he made a um, a brand new lane for people to talk about their feelings and then. You know, Drake is like the culmination of feeling rap. But I say all that to say the reason why I believe that those those crowds are filled with all those middle aged or middle class Caucasian faces because they can relate to the feelings that these rappers nowadays are talking about and that they're struggling with and like the darkness. And that's why there's a lot of darkness and and like depression oriented narratives that are surrounding like the young rappers and, and the and the tunes that they're making and that transfers to the middle class, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and, you know, I feel like a lot of the the music is changing too. You know, it's like, it's more uh, turn up, you know, um, musically speaking, I feel like the music is kind of like evolved into this, you know, um, this, this lane where, it's a lot, it's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of synths heavy and, and, you know, the kids just want to turn up. So, you know, I, I feel, I feel, um, not, I feel, I feel for them because they, they kind of like miss out on the, 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 the older generation where they had like good music. You know what I mean? Like the early rappers were sampling, um, uh, some of the classic mu- music. Some like I said earlier, like my dad's music, you know? So it's, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see, it's cool to see like the, the world, 
evolving and not it not just being like a black thing. You know what I'm saying? Because um, it's a uh, music is uh, universal. You know what I'm saying? Like, and all music can touch anybody. So I, I, I like, I like, I like seeing, I like seeing kids going, going crazy at, at rap, rap crowds, man. Like rap, rap concerts, man. It's a, it's a beautiful thing for me, you know, to, to, to see that. And we also seeing like their mom and dads at our, at our concerts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? we, we, we have some, some parents bring like their, their children and be like, this is, this is, you know, and you can tell there's like the hip hop, they're both hip hop, hip hop parent, hip hop child. And there's still like that, that disconnect, almost like um that old uh, dare video where the dads in one, one window, he's like, oh, what's wrong with Jimmy? I just, I can't see to connect with Jimmy. And he's like, like lighting up a joint and then it pans over and Jimmy's two, two windows down. He's like, my dad doesn't understand me. And blah, blah, blah. And then Jimmy's lighting the joint and they're like, well, uh, you know, maybe if you guys got together and went to the garage, you might have something to uh, talk about, you know? And I yeah. feel like yeah, that kind of happens a little bit with hip hop. Like if you keep your, I have five children, um, like uh, soon to be 20 year old, 18 year old, 50 year old, like uh, 11 year old, seven year old. And I teach hip hop in school. So like, I can't be an effective parent and educator if I like say, that ain't real music you know, do what the older generations do. That's just noise. Like, I got to, like, actually, like, put down all of my hip-hop purist conventions. I got to listen to the stuff, let it in, and 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 be objective about it. And um, I found tons of dope music for tons of dope artists by, by doing that way that I would traditionally have not have uh, given a chance. But, but it creates a bridge, you know, and then you can, I can bring my kids and they can see um, us do our thing, and now they're interested in going back and listening to Big, and listening to Nods. If I just say you ain't hip hop, if you don't, you never listen to Illmatic. They're like, man, eh, not you know, it's it's relevant, it's relative, but it's not necessarily relevant unless you draw that bridge and let them know that this is a cultural movement, not just what songs you like right now. You know what I'm saying? Because there there is a lot more attached to anything that has to do with African-American, especially foundational black Americans um, and the, and our artistic contributions from the jump in this country. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't get to just do things just to do them because we're attached to each other's behaviors as a, as a monolithic group. And we also face uh, monolithic um, obstacles so there's a lot more accountability that is held from one generation to the next about what they're doing with this most sacred thing of ours, which is like this culture. And um, I know that uh, I've watched these young rappers grow into a sense of awareness. Like, I think the best example um, would be like, we're 21 savages right now. You know, like when he came out, like he was literally like what he said, I'm, I'm savage. Like, I don't, I'm from a place where it's it, there's dire straits and my music reflects that. And then you keep a smart individual and you move them into spaces of economic promise. And they're not only surrounded by that same environment and the ignorance that is so prevalent in that environment fades the more and more they move up the socioeconomic ladder. And then they become more aware of what's at stake with the platform they have and the influence that they have, like you see 
Little Baby make the most prevalent song for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, with the, it's bigger than black and white. You see, you know, um, 21 Savage tapping into J. Cole to to do the song like a lot. And so um, I say that you much like our young folks, we got to give our young artists a little time um, to to mature and realize the 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 breadth and depth and weight of the situation. And the ones that don't, they kind of just like fade into obscurity and then they just go back into like the little internet holes where their original fan base like still like them, but they're not necessarily as relevant to the culture at large, you know? So um, it has a way of, of weeding itself out a little bit. And if you don't mature with your audience, then you kind of get stuck and, and, and typecasted into that space where you're going to be performing the same song for the next 30 years, because that's all people want to hear, you know? Okay, uh, I thought I thought I thought Camila was gonna jump in on something. Camila, you have anything? Man, what a rich conversation. You know what? I just didn't want to uh, mess it up because I'm 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 on a career fair online thing right now because I don't got a job. But um, no, I got a part time <laughs> job. So I thought y'all. But then I was thinking, my man said he had five kids, and I was like, damn. Oh, but you're a teacher too, so that so that helps, right? Yeah, so you're I'm actually at work right now. <laughs> okay, see, that's that's I appreciate that, man. Y'all coming through like that. I've been I've been following the conversation. I think that um one thing that made me think are y'all old enough to have been to the um the Wu Tang and um Wu Tang did that one concert with Rage Against the Machine. Didn't y'all go to that? No, yeah. I did not catch that. I remember it happening though. Um, they yeah. actually canceled that tour. Yeah, they got through a couple shows and then um they I forget whether it was Zach or RZA, but there was something going on where I think someone had either. Um, lost a family member or something to, along those lines, and they had to leave the tour, and it violated contracts. So that tour didn't actually finish. But I do remember it going around. I, that was the late '90s for sure. I actually, I saw that uh, that Wu Tang doc on on Hulu. I thought it was like more yep. like like the band just Wu Tang just just uh, imploded, and just they couldn't get on the same vibe, especially after after. Uh, uh, Wu Tang Forever came out, and so they just, uh, you know, left the uh, left the tour, and it was a big tour. I remember seeing uh, RZA and uh, Zach Taylor were on the cover of Rolling Stone. It was supposed to be this big thing. So, yeah, I just remember at the time not being able to make that connection or why that worked, and now based on like what what you were talking about, you know, why yeah, why it worked. That connection. It, it works because like at that time, like. I don't know if you think back to it. It really depends. You really only experience it if you were in a, like, um, what I like to call, like, a first ring suburban kind of uh, geographic location. I call a first ring suburb, like, the, the first suburbs that people who are economically tied to urban living are able to move to from their economic affordability. So I, I went to school in, in a first ring suburb. Shouts out to H-Town, Henrietta, Rochester, New York. And... Uh, that suburb was full of a lot of like working class white folks um, who either like worked factory jobs or started like small businesses, like landscape companies, stuff like that. And a lot of like black folks who came from hardworking families or hustler families that had made it out the hood, you know, they're part, part of the, the announcement here. Um, but yeah, it's live. So um, in those places, the same people who were listening like my football team was a mixed crowd and we would be in the weight room listening to 36 chambers 
we either listen to Buster Rhymes and Raise Against the Machine, like during these sessions and Nirvana, all these stuff, like we all listen to all those things together. So I think that the controller or the gatekeepers at that time, like knew that there was a, a large overlap between who was listening to Raging Machine and who was listening to uh, the more um, edgy, progressive uh, rap stuff that was uh, a descendant of like the public enemy sound and vibe, you know, that stuff that like hits hard. That's why Cypress Hill, if you listen to like DJ Muggs' early productions, you know, like, like big, big stabs, big, whopping bass stab, you know, like that stuff like rocks the crowd, you know? So um, those things were happening at the same time in certain places. Now, if you were in the middle of the hood, you didn't see that Rage Against the Machine side. If you were in a super affluent place, you know, you might've heard those rap songs on the radio, but you weren't experiencing people who were from the hip hop family tree or the descendants of the people who made the culture. So, you know, so if you were on those fringes, yeah, it might, but in that middle where, you had blue collar versus first generation out of off the block, like coalescing and, and sports teams and, you know, high school vibes like that. Like we were all cross pollinating really heavy when it came to those two scenes. And, and uh, we grew up listening to all that stuff, you know? It's interesting you say that uh, because, um, you know, I grew up uh, when I was in uh, high school, I went to course of mixed a fancy-ass high school. And so you got a lot of different musical tastes coming out of there. I mean, I grew up in the era where there was, you know, Nirvana and the whole grunge sound happening, but there was also, you know, you say Public Enemy and I knew a lot of white kids who listened to a lot of that hip-hop. Like, I remember one white girl, I knew she had a you know, she she had a, a a cassette copy of um Ice Cube's death certificate. You never right. would have right assumed she would listen just by looking at her. And it's right because as <clears throat> as I went on to um the college, I went to a black college here in Texas, and one thing I know remember the most about that time was that you know, just like all this, all the stuff you listened to back in the nineties, like the the Wu Tangs and uh, the you know Jay, all the other you know, the the East Coast hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we it wasn't exactly popping as it was here. You know, it's funny how people right. talk about classic albums like Jay Z's Reasonable Doubt and Elmatic and uh, you know uh, Enter the Wu Tang and all the 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 other. Uh, solo Wu Tang joints, like people weren't really, like especially on the radio. You know, you wasn't hearing any much of that stuff it, unless it was on the pop. Well, you, had, pop you, had, you had Scarface, like you had rap a lot down there. You know, what I'm saying like yeah. Houston is interesting because it is, it always has been like its own um, hip hop, like multi, like like multiverse kind of like bubble, and that's what uh, another thing that I teach in this class is that like like hip hop's voyage out of New York city and across the nation and then around the world, it wasn't as seamless as it might seem to be in this whole digital media and, and a cyberspace era, like hip hop happened in these vacuums. And it was only the people who were like getting, getting their hands on, you know, these tapes from across the nation that were actually like starting these movements in their local communities, like the two shorts, and like, um, and I remember uh, 
the story you told about uh, that friend of yours, the death certificate, I was put on the NWA in fourth grade by my friend Dave Beckett, white dude, but he had older brothers, right? So like they were in fourth grade and he's singing like dope man on the bus. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And he put me on to NWA. And like, I remember I went to his house and he had the straight out of Compton on a CD. And that's when the CDs were long with the bo- the double tall boxes, you know what I'm saying? And the thing in there with the extra plastic. Yeah, and I'm like, what is this? Like the environment, the, the environment destroying uh, <laughs> boxes that they had to stop because uh, environmentalists were mad about that shit. Yeah, so you know, like, and that just like that's just how it was, you know. I, I like I said, going back to the top of this topic, punk and hip hop came in together, and when you had hip hop that was had that same kind of energy, you know, once it moved out of just being like party music on some like rappers delight, this is the DJ, I'm the MC. Look at how dope my DJ is. Um, once Public Enemy kind of lit it on on fire, then uh, NWA did the same thing on the other side of the country. This this whole political narrative that was a big part of it that, you know, the Native songs picked up and a lot of other like larger acts kind of like felt compelled to keep that in their content. That's when those bridges keeps on getting fortified because, you know, people want to hear like like Nas says, they they love to hear the story how the thugs live in worry, ducked on in car seats with heat's mandatory. They also love to hear the narratives of anti-establishment and the, the whole fight the power narratives that are prevalent in both of those sides of the tracks as well. So um, it's important to make sure that you're tapping into all, all of the the um, themes that your listening demographic is is hungry to hear, you know, Um and, and and the more you widen that awareness, I think the more transferability your music has to the consumer. And it's a breakdown. Yeah. And so for you guys, where's where's the farthest you guys have played so far? Far south of the country or in the country? Uh the farthest we played is Colorado. Went to uh we did a, a four day run with Lil C's. Uh we were out in uh, um Boulder. We were in Denver and um, we were in um, uh, Frisco, two nights in Frisco uh, with the Kitchen Dwellers. So, yeah, we played in uh, Nebraska. We played in Wisconsin. We played all across the East, all over the East Coast. Haven't been to Texas yet, but we're trying to get down there soon. But, um, yeah, we got some runs coming up. We're going to North Carolina in April. Um, We got Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh, and Asheville. Um, we're gonna be on the East Coast this um, this uh, this this spring uh, in March. We're gonna be in Norwich, Connecticut tomorrow night, um, playing at um, Strange Brew, and then um, we got Albany, and um, and then we're playing. Uh, then we take the road, a trip down to Baltimore, Maryland. We're gonna be playing in in the city, of the the heart of Go Go. But we're gonna be bringing that Biggie vibe down there because we know people love the East Coast vibe out there, so. Is there anything different when you play uh, these March 9th adjacent shows? Any anything different how you how you go about it, or, or pretty much everything the same? Those, you know, we you know we were at first when we were first getting into this, like that was something we were kind of like an idea, like you know we can do a, a celebration and all this stuff. But you know, after like 
becoming close with the 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 family and coming close with some people who was a part of that situation we just try to stay away from it you know what i'm saying let that be a day of of, of rest you know what i'm saying just chill and you know we might put up might have some you know memories of, of big but we try not to not try not to do anything on that on that day oh that's dope see i would have thought the opposite um so i appreciate you guys coming through on this day yeah um, no doubt uh, you know, we don't want to. We don't want to push. Uh, like, you know, we 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 really want to make it a celebration. And we want to keep it the, the the vibes, you know, positive. You know, I, I was thinking about it earlier today. It's like that came with a lot of trauma to a lot of people who who love him, you know. And so we kind of want to like let that be a day where, you know, they can just you know have their have their time and their space to 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 think about him in, in his positive light and we just kind of move on and we'll do stuff for his birthday and you know the 20 you know anniversary of songs or releases stuff like that we'll do stuff like that but his his death day is is you know it's kind of kind of touching one yeah you think we do too much of that in hip-hop we celebrate the day we lost people and and not so much the day that we uh you know people were brought into this world or, or you know, some yeah, significant I, day. I definitely think people love you know to RIP and shout out people, you know, in this culture, you know what I'm saying? It's, uh, you know, you see it a lot, like, you know, and the artists are, you know, nowadays are like thinking that's the way to get the clout, you know, to almost to have to die to, to, to get it, you know? So, yeah. Um, we just want to, we want to uh, celebrate life and, uh, and push positivity, you know what I mean? And everything that we do, um, you know what I mean? Hip hop, hip hop is about partying, and when that's what you know when it started, that's what it, it was about. It was about celebrating um, uh, the freedom to to go to the park and listen to some 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 great tunes. And so we try to keep that same energy in the Frank White experience, where you're coming to a great show where you're gonna see, hear, and see some some great hip hop um, 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 performances going on. So yeah. And what made y'all, uh, you know, go with the the movie persona? To go go with uh, Frank White as the name of the uh, the group as opposed to any of other any you know Biggie's other names nicknames. Yeah, or... uh, I didn't want to you know. I, I guess at first we were just kind of like, do we want to use Notorious B.I.G.? Can we use it? Is, is is that you know cool? And so I think um, thinking about it was like the Frank White experience. If you know, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, if you if you know. What the Frank, if what Frank White is, then you, then you kind of like a deep hip hop head, and you a deep, deep biggie head, and so just kind of staying away from um their 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 trademarks. Like I didn't want to call it like Notorious B.I.G. band or B.I.G. or anything like that. Anything with that name on it, we kind of put one of the just market it or or label it something else. You know, something yeah, something we, different. We, frankly, we, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead yeah, like we we were very very and still are very. Um, cognizant and careful about exploiting Biggie. This isn't—it's not about exploitation. It's not a cover. It's not a cover band. Um, it is an experience that is tapping into an aesthetic of something that was taken from us too early. So um, mm -hmm. early on, we were big about like you know we don't put Biggie's image on like you know merchandise or we don't use his name. Um, you know Frank White is a movie character, King of New York. Played by Christopher Walken's kind of like a, um, for those who don't know out there, it was like a New Jack City precursor, um, and uh, he called himself that because Frank White, Christopher Walken, was the king of New York. 
So um, even back when I was listening to Big, I I didn't catch it at first. You know, um, he states stuff like Francis H. White, you know, like he would play on the Frank White name and the persona. So when we were we were tapping into this, we knew that that was kind of like the perfect lane to to like be exclusively big for those who know, but also not exploit Biggie's legacy because we knew that his his family and his children like that's theirs to to create and sustain generational wealth and and to push forward the work that he did. So we felt like it was a perfect place, perfect uh, halfway point to like pay homage, like represent it, but then not necessarily be exploitive. And um, like some, like our, a lot of our first logos, we might just use like a, the crown or like a, like a very watermarky, like non front of the, the image piece, like, you know, silhouette or something of big, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of the, the most definitively big stuff we would do, like take pictures in front of murals or, or things like that, because we were very, very careful. I think that, that that's been received well by the people who loved him and, and experienced his life with him and those who are still um, in charge of and responsible for his legacy. So, For so long, I thought whenever Biggie mentioned Frank White in a song, I thought he was referring to the architect. <laughs> Uh, it didn't even hit me. Like, I in New York. I didn't, but it's. I still thought, oh, I, he knows about. Well, it's so nice to hear a rapper talk about architecture and the people who create architecture. But it turns out, oh, he's of course he's talking about can New York. So just like New York, yes, sir. Yeah. Is that is that your? Uh, what would you say, Craig? Is your favorite Abel Ferrara movie? Just since we're talking about King of New York. You have New York, fuck it. It's, uh, I mean, like, it's, it's either a tie between, like, um, uh, King of New York or uh, Bad Lieutenant and stuff. Like, I actually interviewed Abel Ferrar like, a long time ago. He was up in Rome, so, you know, he's, uh, during the pandemic, and he had a movie about, uh, you know, Pasolini coming up. And so, yeah, we talked, to, I talked to him about that. So, yeah. So, there's there's a think piece out there that's gonna that mixes Abel Ferrer and Biggie Smalls in some uh, some deep way. If it's not out there, man, you should write it. <laughs> oh, so there's well, well, well. Actually, uh, real quickly, I uh, started off the uh, conversation talking uh, to E Man about this, so I guess I'll just ask Scribe. Uh, Scribe, uh, uh, do you wash your ass? <laughs> do I what? Do you wash your ass? Man, you gotta wash your ass. Ain't shit gonna change till you wash your ass, nigga. Exactly. I mean, do you like you just like getting the crack and getting the crack with the cheeks? I am a look. I, I'm not a small guy, so I get all of the folds, the wrinkles, the creases, the crevices. You know what I'm saying? Inner and outer regions. You know what I'm saying? You can't be like you gotta be funky, not actually stank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The funk, the funk has to be performed, not personified. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I don't know if I don't know if you know this. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, people on TikTok uh, don't don't wash the ass. Yeah, <laughs> literally, don't go in the ass to wash it. And that's a, this is like I don't know what the hell's going on. Just where where did we where did we uh, fail our our children to just well, like 
if you come in my house, my kids know the slogan. You know, we, we sing it in song. Ain't shit gonna change till you wash your ass, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's a that's that's paramount. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be fresh. Like it, we like hip hop is about freshness. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not about the funk. Like the funk is the godfather of hip hop, but that's that's the proverbial funk, not your actual ass. Like and hip hop is about being fresh. So you got to be fresh, dressed, or dip. You know what I'm saying? Crispy and clean, smelling like new money and yeah. some kind of either essential oil or some kind of designer, Italian or French, you know, perfume of sorts. You know what I'm saying? You better have some Versace or some damn frankincense and myrrh going. You know what I'm saying? I like the oils. You actually put the oils closer to the creases. You know what I'm saying? Whereas that perfume, you might catch a little rash or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, wait, wait. Keep your, <laughs> your, so your essential oils. Yeah. Camila, you say you say you're doing too much? No, I said uh, Egyptian musk. Egyptian, Egyptian musk. Yeah, some yeah, some of those 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 uh, fancy uh, scents you get at flea markets or swap meets. Yeah, well, just, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also it's it's worrisome because it also might be you know a touch of you know I don't know, feel uh, homophobia in a way. Just like dudes afraid to touch their own ass, <laughs> get in there might 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 worry about a sensation. Yeah, right, right. Oh, like oh, wait, wait. If you worried about that, then you should go ahead and ex- experiment with that because you already like you already overthinking it, which means that you thinking it, which means that you about it. So go ahead and just. Wash that ass, get in there, you know what I'm saying? Do a little do a little guitar solo on that thing and see if if you if you do that thing longer than about 12 seconds, then you know, going out in the world and see what you see what you about. <laughs> yeah, just like take take well just basically just take the loofah because there's you know, loofah, <laughs> loofah it up, put some put some body wash in there, uh some I was I was rocking that uh, 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 Old Spice Gentleman's brand uh, uh-huh. body wash, but that shit's gone now. I don't know where they where they left it, took it, but you know just but you know what you, too much you, chemicals. But yeah, botanicals like you using. Uh, and guys, uh, what you you have favorite no, body so wash I, out I, there? I am I am a Doctor Bronner's type of dude. Okay, Doctor Bronner's is a soap that's been around since the eighteen hundreds. Um, it is valid. It cuts through. There's all kinds of natural um, oils, eucalyptus, peppermint, tea tree, <laughs> all of those. And then, um, you know, I tried to go into like black owned versions of Dr. Bronner's like Dr. Woods, these other things, but they do not cut like Dr. Bronner's cuts human oil like Dawn cuts dish grease. OK, and Dr. Bronner's, I, I wash my hair with it. I wash my ass with it. And sometimes I also brush my teeth with it because it does all those things. And, and you can wash the toilet does, with it. That, yo, shout out to Dr. Broders. Holla at me. Ascribe to God. I will be a poster <laughs> child. And the thing about it is, if you, it's in a big bottle, you use this much, you can fill it up with water. You can dilute this stuff. So one bottle is literally like four bottles worth of soap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm all about the Dr. Broders. Get clean, clean, some eucalyptus or peppermint, you know what I'm saying? Tea tree in there, you know, pow, and then come out. And I don't just buy the the cheap oils, like, oh, this this is the this is the uh Idris Elba. Like whatever they be naming these oils with all the nah, I go to the actual foreigners, like I the just Obama oil. With the family. I go to the Muslims, you know, the Islamic guys, or I go to like the straight, like, 
you know, like Middle Eastern cats. And I asked for the imported oils, which are on the shelf in the back, high up in like gold <laughs> bottles. And this stuff like game right times, there. three times as much. And I get I get foundational oils like I like Sudanese frankincense. I like Tunisian myrrh. You know what I'm saying? I like I like my oils to come from a region because the actual essential elements that they make those oil with smell different geographically speaking. So we've dialed this and shouts out to my wife, Naima and Terry. You know what I'm saying? And and we we actually blend our own oils together. Um, my wife's a loctician, um, and just like all around, just you know, just queen when it comes to all things to do with culture and especially hygiene and um so we a lactician? yeah yeah she does yeah Nateri naturals is her is her her uh, hair business she's from brooklyn uh crown heights and uh her parents were early hip-hop pioneers like they went to the same high school in manhattan and like, a lot of the early hip-hop heads like be, like i'm talking like get down early um her father was a dj dj evilly and her mother uh, MC Sharon D. They were a group as kids, like in high school. She was an MC. He was a DJ. And so my wife is actually like born of like first generation hip hop people. And her um, father's first cousins are full force. God damn. Who are the 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 the, the three brothers in House Party and who who've produced platinum hits for people all over the 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 oh, um, no, when it comes hey, to music. Lisa Lisa personal Le- Lisa Lisa the cold the cold jam like so all those people are produced by my father in love's first cousins. So my grandfather, who's um a comedic priest and um and also like he um is pretty much like this black consciousness like juggernaut in new york who started a, a thing called um smatawi or the comedics 101 sacred kingman class and and uh these these classes that taught about ancient kemet and whatnot and uh people like erica badu is a student of my grandfather queen of fua was my grandfather baba's wife for a while and she's a, a famous author about um you know health and wellness and just like you know um just our ancient african comedic legacy and whatnot so she comes from this like royal stock of like black excellence, you know. I'm a kid from Rochester, but we met in college, and you know something must have been right because she still lives here. <laughs> so, but <laughs> through all of that, you know, getting into that wellness piece and like moving from like I used to be a obsession for men kind of guy as a kid, you know, what I'm saying, and then I got around her. It's like I can't walk around here smell like Macy's like that don't play you know what I'm saying so I had to tap into those essential oils in that Dr. Broders and it says that I've been clean 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 you know we mentioned uh Evil E like I was like because I've heard that that name before and then I, I believe like Ice-T shot shot him he used to work with Ice-T and well, that, uh, that, that, that that that's enough like so this Evil E was just localized I think other people took the name Later, because oh. he didn't continue moving with hip hop, but that was his name because his name's Evray. Um, shouts out to my my father in love. Um, so yeah, man, like this hip hop thing, like if if you got it, if you got it, you got it. Like if it's on you, it's on you. It's like it's like a terminal disease that you can never really shake. You know, he still has a bunch of equipment in the house. Where he just like to play his music on. You know, um, it's kind of like a lot a, a big. It's, it's very similar to like an E man. You could pick this up like. When you grow up playing music in the church, like you might get away from gospel, but 
that that standard. Like when you play music in the church, like it better be on. Like it better be right. Like that that crowd is so particular. You know what I'm saying? And it's so competitive that if you make it to that drum throne, you better be jamming on the one because there's people waiting in the wings for they shot. You know, so you might get away from playing gospel, but you don't get away from that that like that standard and that urgency of like having it be on, you know? And, and that's why a lot of people um, that move into R and B or are play in, um, you know, like musical arranged hip hop bands that back a lot of these people, they come from the church, man. Yeah. So it's like, it was, it was like two evil E's, like there were two Dr. Dre's. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, my, my, my father-in-law would be more of the, Yo MTV raps, Dr. Dre, not yeah. the actual, <laughs> not Beach Dre, just yeah. as far as like the longevity of the career. <laughs> e man, I haven't forgot about you. Uh, any any uh, body washes you want to shout out? Any uh, all, all the body wash that anything that you can soap up, bro. I use that thing, bro. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't picky with the soap game. <laughs> Anybody wash that wants to send us a body wash. Is our favorite body wash. <laughs> the sponsor, the sponsor, the sponsor like body washes. That's that's our favorite. So Dove, Holler, Ivory, Old Spice, Suave, you know what I'm saying? Dr. Brothers, Dr. Whoever, holler at your boys. We will take Instagram shots of us lathering it up, torso up, you know. e could do a little D'Angelo. How does it feel, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but not me. You gonna get this right here, right here. Watch my face. Ding. It'd be it'd be so awesome if uh, maybe you and uh, your missus uh, uh, start get, get get together and uh, have some form of uh, you know soap or beauty products at your uh, at your shows as merch. Yeah, yeah, we're working on that. Um, like I said, I, I'm also in the cannabis entrepreneurial space. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, so I got, I work with a couple of companies, but yeah, we got some salves, we got things that are cannabis related. And then also, um, you know, stuff like, like, uh, hair products and, uh, fragrances and stuff like that. We're developing all of that because as we travel the country and the platform grows that, you know, merch is that, merch is that, that, uh, that like best kept secret and like how bands like us and, and other acts like really, really get get at the bag you know um people look at like um the cookies brand and think that like you know that guy's making 10 million dollars a year because he's selling a bunch of cannabis no he's selling backpacks and rolling trays yeah um that's where the money's at please please all day yeah you know so yeah like we want to get into that space as well but we know we might have to start by you know sponsoring being sponsored by a couple a couple products to to get that space moving um, wink, wink, hint, hint, holler. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we'll we'll try to tour for us with Dove for Ben out of sight of that joint across the country for a summer. It's nothing. That, that, you know, that's 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 interesting. I I love how you just you bring that up because like that's body washes don't do that. You you never hear of a of a, of a soap uh, sponsoring. Uh, you know, uh, a, a hip hop package tour, and then that would be that is some untapped. Yeah, <laughs> opportunities right there, just like, <laughs> like Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa just announced another tour. And let me tell you something right now: if if Dial Body Wash 
sponsored that shit. <laughs> Everybody be washing their ass with dial. Exactly. Uh, it's, 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 it's synergy, as, as whatever they call it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you guys are on tour. You're, yeah, yeah, email announced you, you, you dropped some dates. You're playing uh, my former neck of the woods, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, at the poorhouse. I used to live uh, down the street from that place. So, just. Uh, yeah. That yeah, it's be- gonna be April uh, April fifth. We're at the poorhouse, mm-hmm. um, uh, in Raleigh. So pull up if you uh, if you know somebody in Raleigh. If you got some people out there. I got some people out there. Some of my family out in North Carolina. Pull up, and then Thursday, April sixth, we're at um the Rock House in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Dudley High School in Greensboro. Um, so if you know somebody down there, tell them to come up. And Asheville is Friday, uh, April seventh. Where we at Asheville? We uh, we at Asheville Music Hall on April seventh. Um, so pull up Asheville. I'm, I've never played. Uh, I think I played Asheville once. I've heard a lot of good things about Asheville, so can't wait for that. And then April eighth, we're gonna be in Charlotte at a uh, Heist Brewery and Barrel Arts. Um, yeah, so we're doing a North Carolina run. Come hang out with us, man. Tell you people about it. It's gonna be fun. Uh, and if people like, want to, if people want to book you, if people want to book you, uh, where should they reach out? What's what's a good? Can you spell it out? Oh, you, you go. This to, is gonna be audio. Okay, it's Frank Frank White exp at um dot com. So it's Frank White. So yeah, the Frank White experience. Um, you can go on our manager. Shout out to our manager Ian. You can go go on, go on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> anywhere you can you can send a message. Uh, you can get us booked. But uh, yeah. Ian, Ian's a monster. Anywhere that you can con- get in contact with a Frank White message thread, yeah, Ian yeah. is there. Shout yeah. out to the Control Accident Network, which is a um an entity that. Um, E-Man and I um, are, are a part with, with our manager, Ian, um, but he's just a, a, he's, he's a, a, a silverback when it comes to what he <laughs> does, you know? So um, a, a, a Instagram message at, at Frank White EXP, a Facebook message at the Frank White Experience, frankwhiteexp.com, scroll down, message there. Um, and uh, all those are very, 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 Fast acting, quick and, and valid uh, ways to get in contact uh, with us. I think you could also go to booking at the 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 CA network or something like that. But um, I don't know that exact email off the top. But yeah, you can tap in. We're, we're very very easy to to get um, access, and and Ian's great with turning that around. Like normally, he'll get back to you within a couple minutes or hours. Like there's never like I left a message, and this is another message. You know what I'm saying? So. So we're really on top of that because that's how we to uh to spell that out um c a booking dot in at gmail dot com c a b o o k i n g dot i a n at gmail dot com. So that's yeah, a, that's what's up. So is there uh anything else uh, guys want to talk about? I mean, I'm. I I really think we should really start some kind of uh, movement where we just inspire people to to, to wash their ass and everything. 
but uh, get some more body wash involved. But Camilo, you wanted to add something? What about what? Oh man, I just had a, a good time uh, listening in and, and hearing y'all do your thing. Um, and I hope I can see you guys in the city near me soon because because uh, what you're doing is, is god level stuff. So I appreciate it. Yo, so you are in Jersey, yeah? Now we're in Houston. Oh, you both are. Oh, you're both in Houston. That's what. Okay. That's where I'm from. I claim Jersey. Oh, you claim I Jersey. We're gonna be in New Jersey soon too. Well, um, I also know that we're making a concerted effort to get down to Jazz Fest in New Orleans. So I know that when we get down there, if anything goes the way it has been going with us, that we gonna try to tack on as much work down there as possible. So it'd be dope to do uh, that Houston like Austin, Houston, like Texas area where, you know, are more black and progressive and, and whatnot. And then uh, tie in like New Orleans and some Louisiana vibes with that. And then make, make like a, a South central um, U.S. run out of that. So that that's definitely going to come sooner than later. We know that um, those are big markets down there, especially Austin and Houston that are, are going to be very fruitful for us. Um, and not just being like completely biggie oriented and, and have being like, you know, a, a, a homage to '90s hip hop. Um, overall, um, we have we have plenty of uh, presentational skills to to widen the the net that we cast outside of just hardcore Biggie fans. So, yeah, we're dropping UGK on y'all for sure. Yeah, Josh was yeah. uh, trapped this screw. Yeah, I'll drop I'll drop some 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 Outside. ghetto boys and some old old Scarface on y'all. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, you probably pro you probably won't get much of the the, the Swisher House chopped and screwed era out of us. Uh, we're more uh, Southern rap traditionalists, but definitely some some UGK, um, and you know some some Ghetto Boys, some mm -hmm. you know, Scarface, you know stuff of that era. You know, I mean, I'm sold, man. I hope I hope some some uh, booking agents are listening to this. Oh yeah. And I'm gonna shamelessly put this up here. See this? Doing, doing well. Yes, we see it. Oh, hold on. Let, let me let me give you a, a screen mirror. No, no, we see it. It's uh, doing, and doing, yeah, doing and being hip hop in schools. Best class ever. You got so this your book. Class, it's a small book. Um, yeah. and these are the students in the class. Yeah. Uh, we went on a graffiti, um, graffiti field trip to yeah. a place called Cobbs Hill. In Rochester, and it's just a quick read about how um, hip hop should be treated as a a content area. Yeah, and through the studying of hip hop, you can give um, disenfranchised youth and and kind of youth that are kind of lost in the sauce a a modern based intrinsic power source to kind of have them connect to the the world at large and um, kind of get out of the despair of like the the broken record that is like the American um, inner city plight and strife. Um, so yeah, that's, that's available everywhere. Amazon uh, It's published by Columbia university teacher college press. And um, it's cool. Shouts out to my co-authors down there. Um, and yeah, so that, that's cool stuff there. Um, we, we, we pride ourselves in being more than just people who get up on stage and, uh, and, and make, make cool noise. Where can um, people get that? Huh? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Where can people get that book? So this is uh this is the it's published by Columbia University's Teacher College Press. So you can go to Teachers College Press um and buy it directly from them, but it's also on everywhere books are sold. Amazon, it's Kindle version, 
There's supposed to be a hard copy version somewhere, but um, yeah, it's available everywhere. Um, and uh, it's a quick read, hundred something pages, and it's really about how you have to have um, love at the center of all things that you do, especially if you want them to transfer and, and make meaning. So um, this is about from the educational space, but it's hip hop oriented. And um, you see this in action when you come see the Frank White experience. You see people who have a profound love for this culture um, doing the things that need to be done to make sure that that, that central theme is is still a part of, of what we do. Well, that's uh, good to uh, bring that out there. Um, I appreciate all y'all for I appreciate you, E-Man, and, and, uh, and, and Scribe and and Camillo, I know y'all. You've been looking at career fair, but you know, thank for coming in in the podcast as well. Uh, yes, I know y'all got important things to do. We talking about? I, I reached out to these guys. I'm glad that they were here to share what they share because it's <laughs> uh, it, it's it's really cool to have these kinds of conversations. And, and the reason why, I'm, hopefully, we can bring you guys back at a later date. Uh, maybe when you're closer to performing in Houston, and we get some more some more talk. Well, time you know, there. I know y'all got clout down there. You know, what I'm saying maybe your career. Fair should be going to some of these venues and shopping the Frank White experience <laughs> so we can get a bag and you can get a bag and we can break bread. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, maybe we can one day meet. I know y'all got uh, important things to do. I I have to take a leak. So uh, <laughs> thank you. Let's uh, wrap this up. So, uh, you know, good luck with all your endeavors and good luck to all you're doing. And uh, just we'll we'll just end it like that, and then and just let's let's just end it the way we all should by just doing everything we possibly can to remind people they need to wash their ass. Wash that it. ass. Listen, listen to listen to scribe to God. Listen to Skunk City, Frank White experience. You know what I'm saying? We up here, we out there, and it's up, it's up, it's up. Let's go. Wash that ass. Exactly. All right, y'all, y'all, y'all have a good one. Peace. Y'all be good. Peace. Peace.